kind spirit and all the gifts and hospitality that they showed my family and I. And uh, we couldn't have done it, like I said, without your prayers. The day we're living in is very, uh, it's very weird. It's uh, a day that many fears are being stemmed from the unknown. The world is assuming the worst of what's to come. And people think that disaster is around every corner. That there's darkness in every step of the way ahead. But if we would just take a step back and breathe and collect our thoughts and begin to wait on the Lord and to begin to trust in Him and allow faith to have a chance, we've got to allow faith a chance. We've got to give it time to grow, to bear fruit, to see, you know, James said, I'll show you my faith by my works. When a farmer goes out and plants a seed, he doesn't instantly reap an ear of corn or a bale of hay. It takes a season for that seed to grow and to produce. And many times, more than not, our faith follows the same example. That we speak things that we see not as though they were. That's faith. So faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Right? So we speak and we believe even though we do not see. But at some moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at some heartbeat, at some crossroads, our faith that we spoke will be manifested before our eyes. And the hand of the Lord will confirm our faith. If we speak and we instantly see, there's not time for faith to grow. For we walk not by sight, right? If you would stand, I'd like to I'd like to teach a little bit and we'll see where this goes. Galatians chapter 4. I'd like to read verses 1 and 2 and then you may be seated. The book of Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 and 2. And I am glad to be home. Galatians 4:1 and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. It says, "I mean that the heir as long as he is a child is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Bishop, will you pray over the service? Amen, and you may be seated. When I was in Texas this week, I want you all to know that this church was on my mind quite a bit. And the thoughts I was having is one of appreciation. That sometimes, you know, 
absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I appreciated everything I did down there and everybody I met and everybody that I was able to fellowship with and, and there was no negativity or bad things in any respect of the way or word. But I missed home. But more so, the more craziness and stress and worries that is happening in the workplace and in the world out there, the more my heart longs to be with everyone here. The more I'm coming to appreciate my brothers and sisters in Christ. The more this world is a turnoff, the more I appreciate our friendship, our brotherhood and sisterhood. I'm telling you, I can't trust anybody in the world. It doesn't matter how good-looking they are. It doesn't matter how cordial they are. It doesn't matter how pleasant, how nice they are. I'm telling you that my trust is in Jesus Christ and the sons and daughters of Christ. I need you so much, and I appreciate your friendship and your counsel and your prayers beyond measure. I'm telling you, as this world grows farther and farther away from God, we need each other more and more and more and more. I hope you feel that way. This is a body of believers that is strong in the faith. We have our bad days, but overall it's, it's a strong... It is, the strength isn't in one person. It's in the body collectively. Where... We can't afford, we can't afford some of us to have a bad day because the rest of us are strong enough to carry those when they're weak. Not that that's leniency to always have bad days, but it's reassurance that when the bad does come, somebody's got our back. Before I went to Texas, I was so stressed out, I was having... It was a day. Today was a day, too. But before I went to Texas, I was having a day. And I was so stressed out, and I came home, and I don't cry very easily. And it's not that I'm macho or what. It's just how I'm mentally wired. And I pulled up, and Brian had mowed my lawn. And I almost started, this is how emotional wreck I was. At that time, man pride did kick in. Because I was sitting in my truck, and I pulled up, and I almost started crying because my friend mowed my lawn. And you might think, what is wrong with this guy that mowing his lawn would bring him to tears? It doesn't really matter what it is, but when you carry burdens and you carry responsibilities and the pressures of this day are pouring down, Sometimes the littlest gifts and the littlest blessings that our brothers and sisters do for one another can mean the world. Galatians 4.1, it says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Now, what the scripture is actually teaching here 
is about the law of Moses and, and the coming of Christ. But I want to apply it in a different manner, not necessarily to that term, but how God wants me to teach this to you. That we are all children of God, right? We are the sons and daughters of God. And we are, as Paul says, we are slaves to Christ, right? The word slave is not always a negative connotation, just 99% of the time. But there is absolutely nothing wrong with being a slave to Jesus Christ. There is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of or embarrassed of, of saying, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. Because what you're saying is, I own nothing. My master in heaven owns everything. What I have is given me from him. Everything that has been a blessing in my life has come from him. Without him, I don't exist. Without him, I am nothing. It's not wrong to want to be that way in Christ. This world teaches, do it your way, the way you want when you want, how you want it. But the Bible teach it, teaches do it His way, when He wants, in His timing. So we are children. And it says while we are children, it is like being a slave. Because we, we may own everything being heirs, but we're not there yet. And so even though we're sons and daughters of the King, we're like slaves. Because nothing is in our control, and nothing is in our power. And it says that we are under guardians and managers until the date set by the Father. Now that's talking about the law of Moses. But until he calls us home, do you believe in guardian angels? There are ministering spirits that are sent to guard us, that are sent to protect us. They're not God. But they are sent in the authority of God. They are sent in the power of God. And if they have the power and authority of the one that sits on the throne, when they speak, they speak as the oracles of God. And when the ministering angels stand around your house and stand around your vehicle and walk in front of you at work, and they, sp they stop the forces of hell and they point to the devil and say, you can't come any closer to this child of God. They're your guardian that has been sent from the Lord. Now there's coming a day that will be appointed all of us that we won't need a guardian. That's when we will receive the inheritance that we have been adopted into. But that day's not right now because we're still here and we're still gathered together. But we are protected by the Son, by the Father, by Jesus Christ. We are the sons. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. So all of this that He's getting ready to, to teach and to say is according to mercy. Not just mercy, His great mercy. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
It means the hope that we have isn't dead. It says living. So a living hope came from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary. And when he laid down his life by great mercy, by an act of great mercy, we now have a living hope, not a dead hope, not a hope that's put off, not a hope that's far away, not a hope that'll be here some point, but a living hope that is breathing, that thinks, that acts, that has power, that has consciousness, that is involved in our lives. Our hope is Jesus Christ. It says in verse 4, that to an inheritance that is imperishable, that means it never perishes, it will never die, it will never rust, it will never decay, it will never grow mold, it'll never be grungy looking, it'll never have a bad moment. It's saying that our inheritance is imperishable, meaning that no demon in hell can steal it. No, no great Satan at all can ever take it from us. There's no power, there's no authority that's ever going to steal, remove our inheritance. Now there's people that are sitting here and we don't even fully comprehend because all we know is loss. All we know is things are taken from us. All we're used to is losing things and forgetting things and having things not work out. But we're going to a place where everything works out. Where everything comes together. That when your inheritance is given you, there is nobody that's ever going to take it from you. There won't be a day when you stand before God and you're in heaven where he says on second thought, I'm taking that back. I've had students over the years ask, can we backslide once we're in heaven? Not a chance. The price we pay, the sacrifices we make, the things we give up, our love for him is being proven here. When we get there, there'll be no more testing of our faith because our faith will have already been tried, put through the mire, and have her overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Our inheritance is imperishable. Brother Larry, I'm tired of buying vehicles that rust. I went to Texas. You know what? They don't have rust. That's just about enough to make you move there. Until you step out and you feel the heat and you go, nope, I'm going back to Michigan. Brother Garrett's already been climatized. But I'm tired of buying vehicles, Brother Larry, that break down. You buy, you buy something from the store and you get it home and you're so excited. You buy that, that Keurig and you go to make that coffee that you need. And it doesn't work. There's like a wrath that can come real quick. We had a crisis in my family. My Keurig gave out a couple weeks ago and I looked at my family and I said, we need to get a new one soon. In heaven, my Keurig is always going to brew. And it's going to be the smoothest cup of coffee I've ever had. Some of you laugh. You don't think there'll be coffee in heaven. 
but yet you think you'll eat of the tree of fruit, the tree of life, the fruit of it. I'm telling you, it's almost gospel that coffee is from God. In fact, I know it is because he created it. He created it. Hebrew, yeah. (laughs) Our inheritance is imperishable. It's undefiled. Undefiled. You ever get something here on earth and you don't feel worthy of it and, and you get it and somebody makes a joke and you feel bad about getting the award? You ever went through something like that? Where somebody pats you on the back, but somebody teases you about it, and then you feel almost embarrassed? Nobody? You know what that is? It's jealous people trying to rob us of having a good moment. When we get to heaven, and the inheritance that is ours by our birth into the kingdom, do you know at that moment the devil and all his little minions, and all the voices of hell, and all the voices of lies and damnation, and the voices of depression, and the voices of insecurity, and the voices of jealousy, will never, ever reach us again. They're not going to make, they're not going to be able to defile our inheritance. They're not going to be able to corrupt us or pollute us, or ever drag us down emotionally, or mentally, or physically, or psychologically ever again. When he gives us our inheritance, it's going to be the shining hope that we know that we have been born into his kingdom, that he's our father, and we're his child. And we'll know that his power, his authority, his salvation, his grace, his mercy ever goes before us. See, I'm living in a world where everybody's afraid of every decision being made. Everybody is second-guessing every decision. They're running it through 10 databases to see the outcome before everybody makes a decision. And even then, when they have the results of 10 bad databases, they don't want to make the decision. They put it before a committee who then votes on it to put it before another committee who then votes upon it to put it before another board. They'll have it vetted by 10 lawyers because everybody is afraid of everybody. But my inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I don't know if we, uh, we can even comprehend that word unfading. Because our life is a roller coaster. Our life goes through seasons. We go through a good time, but then we know that that, that high only lasts so long, and then, and then we're going to come down off the high. We can have a birthday celebration and everybody can come and celebrate our birth and bring us gifts and we love everybody and we're happy, but then there's the next morning with a broken Keurig. And we forget all those gifts because the present moment, we don't have our satisfaction. But imagine a salvation and a life and an inheritance that never fades that there's never a detox. It's a constant high. 
It's a constant celebration. It's a constant thrill. It's not having a bad week or a bad month or going through cycles and waves of emotions where we, we don't even like ourselves. Anybody? That none of that will happen. Do we even know what that feels like? No, because none of us have ever experienced that. We experience the highs and we experience the lows, but none of us have ever experienced a steadfast high that never ends, that never ceases, because we're in the flesh. We can be speaking in tongues until we stub our toe on the floor and how quickly Satan comes out. Or people laugh at you. When you're in pain, you stub your toe and your family's laughing at you. And then they stub their toe and the family laughs back at them. To an inheritance, verse 4, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded. Who by God's power are being guarded. You know our inheritance is being guarded. No thief is going to break in and steal our inheritance. There's going to be no looters. Do you know looters are not allowed in heaven? There's no rioters in heaven. They don't get to take what's not theirs. They don't get to take the things that weren't given to them. Nobody is going to steal our inheritance because it is being guarded by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. If you're a Calvinist and you think once saved, always saved, you need to read this verse. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is not talking about speaking in tongues and baptism because this is 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter, who's already preached that message back on the day of Pentecost. He's talking about the salvation that has come into us. See, what we're doing right now is we are practicing salvation. By faith, we say we are saved, right? Right? By faith. But we also believe that we can sin after being saved and are in our need of a Calvary to repent. We are not once saved, always saved. We believe that there's people who speak in tongues filled with the Holy Ghost that are still going to lose out because they got off the path somewhere. But the Bible says that if we make it to the end, that the salvation that is waiting for us when we breathe our last and our names in the Lamb's book of life, that the salvation that God has ready for us, we haven't even been able to begin to dream of it. We haven't been able to, to draw it up. There's been no architect design it except God. And it is waiting for us. And at that moment, when we look on his face and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. At that moment, we're going to begin to understand the glory and the, the wonders that he has prepared for us. In the meantime, what we're doing 
is trusting in the salvation of God that it'll lead us to the cross. We're, we're giving ourselves to our master and saying, oh Lord, I'm forever your slave. You're the owner of my salvation. We don't own our salvation. He's in control of our salvation. Says that there's a salvation to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. It says we ought to be rejoicing that our inheritance is uncorruptible, it's undefiled, it's unfading, it's imperishable, and it is being guarded by the power of God, and it has been prepared, and it's sitting there waiting on us to show up. Do you know they're just waiting for us to come home? When I say they, I mean God, and I mean all the angels, all the heavenly hosts are sitting around waiting for his children to come home. And when we get there, we're going to have a salvation that has been prepared, just rolled out before us, and all the wonders and pleasures that our God has been putting together and putting into place will be made known to us. Why would we trade that for a bad night here? He says, rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Anybody been grieved by various trials? Brother Crenshaw, you're the only one with your hand up. Whoa, and you know, you and Brother Daryl and me, we need to have a pity party. Because all three of us this year are losing our baby two thieves from Texas and other places. Still. That helps you a little bit. But sometimes we have bad days. And sometimes we go through things. And sometimes we're grieved by various trials, Brother Crenshaw. They come in all kinds of names, don't they? And they take from us things that we feel are ours. I know, my heart's breaking. I'm trying to hold it back right now. But we go through various trials, right? But he says that's all right, that they're only for a little while. But it says keep on rejoicing that our inheritance is, is waiting for us, secured for us. Because when we go through these various trials, and I'm, and I'm closing if the musicians would come, it says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith. So that the tested genuineness of your faith. Do you know that our faith is going to be tested? There's not a person that's sitting here under the sound of my voice that will not go through something that our faith will be put to test. From bishop to everyone. Bishop, has your faith ever been tested? But you're the man of God. Surely you love God. Surely he loves you. Why would he test you? He tests everybody. As he tested Abraham, he tested bishop. He's tested me and I know that he's tested you. That our faith, it says that he tests it so that it may be revealed to be genuine. 
more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When our faith is put to the test, do you know what the fire is is trying to burn away? Do you know what they want to see in the fire? When our faith goes through the fire, do you know what all of heaven is watching to see what comes out of the fire? Brother Matt, when you go through a fire and your faith is put to the test, all of heaven is watching. Do you know that they're not looking to see Matt in the middle of the fire? What they're looking to see is, is there a fourth man in the fire? When all of our images burned away, what the fire reveals is, is the name of Jesus on them? It says in verse 8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Has anybody ever seen Jesus? But you love him, don't you? It's because you've got faith. It's it's as though you've not... This He's talking to the children of God. Are you a child of God? Of course you are. Why? Because even when you haven't laid eyes on him, your heart is in love with him. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him. And we rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Verse 9, if you'd stand, this is the closing verse. It says that obtaining the outcome of your faith. I'm going to ask a question. What will the outcome of our faith be? Will the outcome of our faith be Jesus? Will the outcome of our faith be salvation? Will the outcome of our faith be eternity? Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. So we walk in faith before the Lord daily. We trust in Him. We trust in an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. That'll never break down. That'll never abandon us. Folks, our Father in heaven is preparing a place for us. And there has never been a day that I have lived, maybe you have, but there's never been a day I've lived that I have needed each of you more now than ever. 
This world is trying to bring separation and division. But God is filled with hope, direction, and clarity. Church, we shouldn't be fretting over our salvation. We should be rejoicing about our salvation. I want us to do something that's been on my heart all week. I should have wrote down the verse. But the Bible talks, it says, pray for strength. I want us to, if we could, if we could all just raise our hand towards heaven. And I want us to do two things. The first, I want us to pray that God would strengthen us. And when we finish that, I want us to pray that God would strengthen our brothers and sisters beside us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we are obeying the Scripture, and we are asking that Your Spirit would strengthen us in these days. Lord, strengthen our mind, strengthen our faith, strengthen our forgiveness in others, strengthen our resolve, strengthen our walk in You. God, strengthen our mind, strengthen our heart, Strengthen our body, our soul. Strengthen every fiber that's in our being. Let the strength of the living God, the strength of Jesus Christ, reign inside of us. God, I pray that your spirit of strength would flood this house right now. That your strength would come upon every saint of God that's in this place. Lord, I pray for my brothers and I pray for my sisters right now. God, you know right where they're at. You know the things they're going through. You know the giants that they're battling. You know the nightmares that are waiting for them. God, in the name of Jesus, the the same power that gives me my strength day after day, let it strengthen my brother. Let it strengthen my sister. Let them feel the power. Let them feel the strength of the Lord. God, there's somebody here that needs you. There's somebody here that needs to be in your arms. There's somebody that's here that needs to be in your hands right now. Come on, somebody's in need. I want us to begin to tap into the Holy Ghost right now. God, you know who it is that's hurting. You know who it is that's weak right now. Lord, fill in their blank. Put their name in the blank, God. Touch them in Jesus' name. Strengthen them in Jesus' name. I wonder if we couldn't come to this altar everybody as a family I wonder if we couldn't come everybody that's in this house as one body to come with our brothers and sisters